Hi, and welcome to the Unlocking Customer Service Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Richmond. I'm here every week talking with guests who can help you realize the full potential of your contact center and customer service team to keep growing your business. Oh, and you can do all of that while still prioritizing your people. In fact, that's the secret to it all. Let's chat with our next guest. All right, so we are here today with Laura Sikorsky, Contact Center Operations and Technology Expert, and we are here to talk about how people and processes power business and define our customer experience. Uh, So Laura, could you give us a little bit of your background? Oh, sure. Thank you. And it's a pleasure, Meg, to meet you. And I'm looking forward to a a great podcast. Um, A little bit about me. Um, I've had my own business for 35 years, and it primarily focused on the operations and mostly operations side of the, quote, house of the contact center. And um, I enjoy doing it. It is something that I've uh, done early in my career, having always been in some type of customer service in terms of retail or working for a hotel chain. So um, I love contact centers. I know that sounds weird, but I do. And I'm looking forward to sharing some uh, ideas I have and past experiences. Well, great. Thank you. I don't, I don't think it's weird to love contact center because it's nice to know that, you know, there are people out there trying to make it better and easier because we all, we all have to interact with them. That's right. And we all have a tendency to say, well, geez, I just called XYZ company. How come your company doesn't offer this callback, so to speak? You know, Mm -hmm. so the contact center, regardless of industry, is always compared to the other industry. So that's an interesting factoid. Okay. So in your opinion, what are the key components of operating a successful contact center? Well, contact centers is really the most customer-focused area in your organization. And it's not only your external customers, but it's your internal customers as well. So it is the place where centralized conversation takes place, such as conversation, meaning voice, email, text, chat, video, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, It's also where the voice of the customer is amplified. And it is the only area in the ca- in your company that has data capture that is beyond anyone's comprehension. Uh, it's regardless of the customer's touch point, there is, should be no point of failure or frustration. And that, to me, is a successful contact center. It, uh, the management keeps everybody informed. Staff gets accurate information on time at the same time and in the same format. Uh, the position in the contact center is focused solely on customer experience and employee satisfaction. A lot of people forget that um, happy customers mean happy employees and happy employees means happy customers. And I think the um, the final thing is that um, it you have to remember to create appropriate dashboards for executive management so that they understand the value of your contact center and what it means to that infamous phrase ROI. And it's not necessarily only a financial ROI, but it's an operational ROI. So it starts at, it starts at the contact center and it goes through the entire company. 
Right. The contact center is kind of like a finger, fingers on a hand. It has so many touch points. You know, it interacts with so many different departments, uh, warehouse, um, billing, uh, you know, uh, support services in the contact center. So it it's touch points, not only from the customer's perspective, it is the touch point of your organization. Many many contact centers today um, make it a um, a requirement to have all people, all employees work in the contact center for a short period of time, so they understand from the customer's perspective what's expected of their company, and uh, that's a very successful policy in many companies. So that's a good example of of a policy that a company would. It's a simple policy change, but can have huge effects across how everything else works. Um, are there any other examples or what are some policies that that companies should start to look at? Well, you know, there are so many different policies, um, but let's kind of talk um, about the organizational structure of the contact center, because um, it. It, regardless of the size, okay, and that I need to make sure this is understood. You know, a small con contact center is up to 75 seats. A medium contact center is up to 250. Anything over 250 is considered large. So what the organizational structure I'm going to talk about a little bit Regardless, it could be departments with huge square footage with lots of people, but you need to have an operations manager and that person and that department is the one that sets the standards and the service assurance. So for example, uh, we, you, we have service level. So service level can be 85% of your calls answered in 20 seconds. You can have, you know, 10% in a hundred seconds, mm -hmm. but that's a perfect, you know, example of standards. Uh, same would be an abandoned call percentage is a standard and average speed of answer is a standard. The, the next is the, what I call an interactive interaction core. And in that area, you obviously have to have somebody who oversees it. There's a section of the center that's called traffic control. And this is usually when you start getting into the 200 seat arena. And uh, this is a place where agents, the time clock may be close by. Uh, this is where pre-shift briefings will take on uh, uh, an example. Or if somebody has to go out sick, they go to the traffic control center if they don't have a super supervisor that they can speak to right away. But also in the core, there is a, a floor supervisor who is the supervisor of anywhere from uh, one to 15 agents. Then you have team leads and certain you have your agents. The next overall um, process and, and, and policies you need to determine is your training. Your training needs to be what you want the customer and your agents to know about your company and how it gets done. So you have instructors. Uh, you can have somebody, if you're a small center, you just have somebody side by side and you teach that way. But remember, teaching is a very um, important skill. And 
most people only remember 10% of what they read. So they like to have different activities. So training activities can be uh, quizzes, can be reading, can be uh, looking up, can be role play. And then the other part of training is on the work floor, you need to have what is known as a nesting area. So in the smaller and medium centers, you can have a side-by-side -side with a, an experienced agent or you can have what is known as this nesting area where it's a group of very confined agents and there are floor supervisors, trainers, instructors who will guide them along with live calls. The other part of training is your quality assurance analysts. And those people are the ones that look and listen to hear recordings, can be live uh, or can be recorded messages. Obviously, you need an employee relations department and or someone who is overseeing employee relations, employment, payroll, benefits. Uh, the other is office and support services. And again, uh, these are people, this could be one person or two people in your center, depending on the size. And so you need to have a manager of support services and information distribution. Uh, this could be somebody who takes care of the intranet and make sure that if the agents are looking for something, it could be pre-shift information that they are preparing in support services. And the final area for policy and procedures is planning and communications. Uh, that's your inform information technology folks. Those are people that you call because you can't connect to the internet or you're having a problem with your PC or you're having a problem with the information that's being displayed. Uh, and that's also where your workforce management kind of sits. And those are the folks that decide who works when and where. So mm -hmm. there's lots of different policies and procedures in the contact center. And uh, you need to, these all are going to play a key role when you're out there looking for new technology, because technology is what makes the center run and the people make it run successfully. So what would you say to somebody who would say, well, this looks too complicated to set this all up? Because it seems like if you don't do it in the right order, you're setting yourself up for failure. Well, it's not necessarily the right order. This is These areas that I talked about are areas within a general company. But they're so they're so back of the house that most people don't realize that they exist. But if you were, you know, just starting out and somebody said to you, you know, um, I think I need a call center. I think I need a contact center. And I'll, and I'll say, well, why do you think so? They say, because I don't have anybody to answer my phone anymore. It used to be, you know, mom, dad, and all my sisters and brothers. And now we're, we're getting really large. Uh, how, where do I start? What do I do? Where do I start first? And the first thing you have to look at is how you're going to answer the telephone and how and what information are you going to provide the people that answer that telephone? Because what you want to be able to do is make sure that when the agent says, thank you for calling XYZ company, how may I help you? They have everything that they need at the desk area or the desktop. So the idea is to, to think ahead and set people up for success before you start making big sweeping changes. So it's not so much setting up for 
for failure as it is setting up for success. You're a hundred percent correct because um, if you don't set yourself up for success, I have to say it, you will fail because you're not focused on what the agent needs and what the customer expects. You know, the expectation is, is the key to customer experience. So all of this background work, setting up the, the policies and procedures, how does that in the, in the end affect the agent's experience? Well, the agent then um, will have the confidence that they need. They will have the ability to handle change as an example. They will be able to problem solve. Uh, these are competencies that when you're going out to hire for your contact center, you need to look for people that are self-motivated, that um, have uh, can be assertive without being rude, can cope with difficult clients, um, have the flexibility to handle change. They have great uh, problem-solving abilities, and they listen to the customer. These are soft skills as well, and they keep their cool under under pressure. So the 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 way to be sure you're successful and to gain and help the agent is to hire the agent the right person for the job and i have to say please pay for these people you know they are not um people that you should take advantage of they should be paid the best money that you could possibly afford that's an investment too along with the tools they use Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, now that you, you know, you have a, a successful center and, and now all of a sudden you're saying, hmm, something's not working. I don't understand what's going on. Where are you going to find the answers? You're going to find the answers with your agents because they are the ones that are going to tell you and they will tell you, trust me, uh, what they like, what they dislike, what they find uh, confusing. And they know that the customers want to do business on their terms, when they want, on the method or channel of their choice. And they, this is critical. They expect the same service regardless of the method or channel because agents are the ones that hear the stuff that's happening. And mm -hmm. trust me, there are patients out there. And I have to say, sometimes I do this. I don't like what the agent told me. So I'm going to call back and ask another agent. And then I call back and I don't like what that agent said. And then I'm going to call back another agent. But that could also be, I mean, right there, you made a data point that if they have the reporting set up where they see that this number called in three times, they, you know, your first call resolution is very low at that point. So Absolutely. what's going on there? Absolutely. But, you know, you also have to understand years ago um, in the industry, it was like, why do they monitor me so much? Why do I have to do this? And why do I have to do that? And it, you know, they felt like Big Brother was marching. And so that's not here today. Agents really want to know how am I doing? What could I have done better? And how did I sound on the telephone? Or uh, you know, so what I feel as far as technology, if the companies don't get screen recording, shame on them. It some part some uh, center technology it provides it at no additional cost. Others provide it at an additional cost. It's worth the investment. And then that helps everybody who maybe hasn't sat there and seen exactly what steps the agent has to take. There's a lot of information that can be gleaned from that kind of thing. 
Absolutely. And, you know, the the other thing is, is that your uh, quality assurance and coaching helps you develop your standards. And by standards, I don't mean the average speed of answer and the service level we talked about earlier. But most um, ha most centers have, you know, how's there, it's a performance evaluation. How is the quality of work? Did they answer the phone the way they should? Did they uh, follow, offer, upselling and, and so forth? And then they can have, you know, ratings such as excellent, good, fair, etc. And if you have three or four different people in quality monitoring these folks, you have to make sure that the standard for how did they um, sound on the telephone averages the same meaning for everybody. Excellent is the same meaning for everybody, because if you don't have those standards and everybody working together to make sure that everybody is on the same level and sinking, then you're then you're up up the creek, so to speak, mm -hmm. because everybody's valuating somebody different. And then the agent is the one that suffers. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a, an example of, of something that would be, uh, I guess, an, an inefficiency in how do we how do we organize things? How do we, uh, how do we rate? How do we, you know, get the right calls to the right agents? So what, what's an example of these kind of inefficiencies on the customer experience? Because it sounds like if, if we can't really keep uh, a good understanding of how agents are doing, we can't really make sure our customers are, are having that good experience. Absolutely. So here's some examples of um, operational inefficiencies is no, uh, no empowerment. The agents have to ask a myriad of people before they can give the customer an answer. So for, with that, then they keep putting the customer on hold. And so you really want to minimize the, uh, you, make sure that your agents are, are empowered. And how do you know what they should have empowered? You ask them. They'll tell you, why should I have to go and ask if I can okay a $50 credit or a $50, uh, I'm sorry, compensation to the to the um, customer. I mean, I worked for a, a, a um, automobile manufacturer and their agents um, had up to $250,000 that they could okay in terms of an insurance um, settlement. So watch your empowerment, make sure the agents are empowered. Um, make sure that you have good coaching. If you have minimal coaching, that's an inefficient operation. That means you're not taking enough time to develop your, your staff, to develop not only from an internal perspective, but help them along in their career. You know, they need to be good in the contact center, but maybe they want to move to the different jobs within the contact center, or they want to go into another department in the, co in the corporation. You have to make sure that the, that the agents are coached and developed the right way. And that is management's role to do that. Sometimes um, an inefficient workplace, you can't, you can't really put your finger on what's going on, but you know something is wrong. You know that when you walk on the floor, that floor is silent. You don't get a, or in today, you know, it's a little bit difficult with remote workers, but you know something is wrong. And that's where you need to, you know, pull your senior agents, talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, talk to them in a group and say, hey, listen, this is something that we need to do. Something's going on in the center. Can't quite put 
put my finger on it. Uh, I need your help. What are, what are we doing wrong? What, what can we do to help you do your job better? And, uh, you know, the other thing about inefficiencies, I know everybody hates surveys, but this is what you need to do. You need to find out, use your net promoter score, ask that one question with net promoter, you know, would, are you likely to recommend us somewhere to someone else? Um, watch your customer effort. Listen, ask the agents, for example, are you hearing customers complain about navigating our website? Because, you know, every time they have to call because I can't find the information on the website. So you have to look at those surveys about or ask your agents about customer effort. Are we making it too difficult for them to uh, to find information that they need? That kind of goes back to a term called zero call resolution. We all have first call resolution. We all know what that is. But zero call resolution is how can we be sure that our agent, uh, that our customers do not have to call us? If they say, if we told them that they were going to get a delivery on May, May 17th, as an example, but we know that that product is not going to be available, we should already call beforehand and inform the and inform that customer. I'm sorry, due to you know technical difficulties in the warehouse, the product that you ordered is now going to be shipped on the 24th. You've just saved the person, you know, anxiety and that call into the contact center. So really think about um, you know the customer experiences and their effect when you have operational efficiencies. I mean, high turnover, we all know that the uh, contact centers, they're just normal, a good day is 50% uh, turnover. And we all know the cost of turnover, it's an enormous amount of training dollars and HR dollars. And, uh, and that affects the customer because then there's nobody on the phone. Mm -hmm. So that's a good combination of your investment in your tools, like your coaching tools, and then your the structure you've stood up with your management and your coaching and the understanding of everybody's expectations, setting that up early. Absolutely. And, and remember, you know, years ago, there was this philosophy that if you if a customer gets angry, they're going to tell 12, 12 other people. Well, today one bad experience, you are out on social media to 150,000 people. I mean, just mm -hmm. look at Yelp and all those others that are out there. Um, you know, people look at reviews now. I, when I purchase something, I, you know, I, my first thing is, okay, I, I needed to buy a new stove. What are people saying about this stove? You know, so uh, keep that in mind that mm -hmm. social media is uh, very critical to your operation and uh, you best check it often. That's another uh another checkbox for surveys because if you if you have people if they get the chance to give their opinion early then that might give you a chance to fix that absolutely absolutely so we've talked about investing in people and technologies to get to this point where we have an efficient contact center uh so in your experience have you seen investments in technology fail uh, we've talked about all the ways it works uh right. tell me some ways it doesn't work well, I, I have to say technology really doesn't fail, okay? It, it sometimes, uh, the issue is that sales kind of oversold the product. The contact center was not ready for that product. 
And I, you know, please understand, I've not had any experiences with Sharpen, but there have been instances where I've worked with teams and the, and the implementation on the vendor side is, is just, I guess the word is horrific because they, they really um, did not look at the technology to conform with the company's needs. I don't know how, if that makes sense, but a lot of times, I mean, and again, I'm a consultant to the industry. So I look at, I look at technology from a different perspective. I look at it. How is it going to help the customer? How is it going to help the agents? And sometimes the sales force really doesn't have that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things that I find today, and I, I love the cloud. I think the cloud uh, saved the context center industry because we were able to get those remote agents up and running very quickly. But what the cloud has done is relied on the companies to know how to program their contact center. There's certain things like the IVR and stuff that someone does, uh, a vendor does help, but they don't really know all the features that they're getting. So therefore, how can they program or how can they tell the vendor what they want? So, you know, this is where I have a, a technology fail for for the vendors. Um, uh, some other examples, for example, workforce management. Everybody knows it does scheduling. However, it also enables them to do forecasting and budgeting. Rarely do I see the vendors training on that. Uh, quality management. Yes, we know. We know how to monitor. We know how to barge in. We know how to side by side. Um, however, there's minimal on how to use scorecarding, how to develop scorecarding. And I think that the, um, all right, and I hope vendors don't hate me too much, but phone trees, they have made the phone tree um, so hard to navigate that there are times a customer is punching through uh, and it's two and a half minutes and they still haven't got to the right, to the place where they want to. Mm-hmm. And then out of frustration, they just press anything and then they have to be transferred out. Mm-hmm. So I think more, more of the vendors out there need to understand um, the, the business more, understand how the phone tree can help rather than hinder. My suggestion in many cases has always been get rid of the phone tree and say, would you like to speak to a live agent, not a live agent, would you like to speak to an agent or would you prefer to use our self-service systems? And generally, most people are so excited to get an agent right off the bat because all they have is a 30-second question. Meanwhile, it costs you more in, you know, technology costs to have the agent seat to because you're you you're front loading that time that the that the caller is spending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my te- my technology fails is in implementation. So it all comes down to the, the education on, on both sides. How do we use it uh, and does it do what we need it to do before we even buy it? Right, right. Because, you know, many times the customer will, and I, and, and I do the same, you know, we write an RFP 
and we explain these are all the things that we need and the bid comes back and it says okay for all these things you know this is what you're getting and you go through and you say yes no and you have all everybody agrees and then when it gets ready and when sales turns it over to implementation it's almost as if they never read the rfp and they don't know what the customer really wants. And so you find yourself looking at the sales, you know, the implementation team and say, listen, I think you need to go back and read what we, what you said you were going to provide us. Mm -hmm. And then let's have our good, um, you know, kickoff meeting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have seen uh, both sides of that. So it's very, it's interesting that, you know, when, when we ask these questions, so it's it's good to make sure that the questions asked are the ones that uh, directly affect how people are going to be using it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when a company does uh, make that jump, get that new technology, uh, and then we get to the point where we are implemented and we've got our managers, our supervisors, how can these these leaders, once we've acquired the new technology, support their teams as it gets started? Well, I think the, the first thing that the managers should do is be sure they have visited or zoomed in to and talked to people that are already using the technology so that when it gets time to implement, they know how it completely works beforehand. So they're knowledgeable on it. They know what to see. They know what to ask. Um, ask questions of those um, of those other folks like, you know, what did you like about it? What did you dislike? What is the shortcoming? What do I need to watch out for? Um, those are things that are going to help support your agents in the new in the new way. I just think live demos are the best thing that you could do, uh, you know, once you either be pre-accepting, you know, the RFP stage or when you have accepted the, this particular vendor's product. I think that will give you, um, I think that'll give you the knowledge that you need. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've gone all up and down talking about buying new technology, looking for it, um, getting it in there, setting up before we get there. Uh, so what's your biggest piece of advice for in executives who want to invest in this new technology? Well, I think um, it's really research, 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 okay? But the best thing that they can do is ask the employees. Ask the, ask the managers, ask, um, you know, what is it they want? What is it that they need? What is it that they're missing? What is it that they wish they had? Because I think sometimes the C-level suite forgets that all your employees are assets, not liabilities. And they really, uh, you need to value their contribution to retaining your customers. And if that technology doesn't support them in giving the best service that they can do, then they're going to be behind the eight ball. So just, um, you know, just make sure that they listen to the employees. Mm -hmm. So it comes back again to the happy customers come from happy agents and vice versa. That's it. That's it. An agent needs to love to come to work. If they don't love to come to work, you're not going to, you know, it's, it's just not going to work. It's not going to mm -hmm. work. Well, good. This is, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, you have clear experience in this. Uh, it seems like you've seen a lot of, uh, 
successes and possibly some failures based yeah. on people not not thinking ahead enough um so we appreciate it excellent thank you so much thank you that's a wrap on today's episode of unlocking customer service subscribe on apple spotify or google play to get notifications when new episodes drop each week or head to sharpencx.com podcast to catch up on all the latest episodes And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review so we can reach more people like you.